Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Tony. Uh, today's scripture, uh, two different sections today in Revelations. I will start uh, with the first one, chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, death will be no more, mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." And then our second grouping is in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, producing each fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They will need no light of lamp or of sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The word of God for the people of God. Yeah, we made it through Revelation. And does anybody feel more scarred? No. Isn't it a beautiful book? At least the end. Uh... There's Darius. Okay, good. Uh, Good morning. My name's Brittany, and I'm the pastor here, and I'm not going to speak very much at all today, which is amazing. Um, I have some folks that are going to be talking, and um, it's going to be great. I want to say a couple words about the scripture passage we read today, and then we're going to have a great discussion here up on stage. So uh, the first thing I want to say is We have seen this listed and named in Revelation, but what we know is that our world is broken, right? We know that we live in a world of sin and brokenness, and it is not as it should be, right? The world that we we see um, and the world that we long to be, there's a big difference, right? And what we see today in Scripture is this new kingdom, this new creation uh, that, that, um, that... that we have a vision for. And it is a creation where uh, the world is overflowing with goodness. It is a creation where every tear is dried, right? It is, a, it is 
perfection. It is the kingdom of God here on earth. And what we know is that we, we don't want to sit back and wait for that to happen. We want to be builders of justice. We want to work for the inbreaking of that kingdom. So every time we fight for justice, every time we talk about anti-racism work, we, are, we have the power of the goodness of this vision behind us, propelling us forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, isn't that cool? The other thing I want to note in this scripture passage is uh, we see a world um, of nonconformity. So it is not, this, this vision of this new world is not a world where everybody is um, doing the same thing or that looks alike or that um, talks alike. There's still all these particular cultures and identities. The difference in this new world is that there's not one that dominates. So that's pretty awesome too. That's why we talk about anti-racism work. Um, and finally, what I just want to say is that the way, just as a continual reminder, the way we do this, the way we work for this new world, this new creation, is through nonviolent means. And last week, like we talked about, it's our testimony. It's sharing um, in uh, the witness of, of why we care, why we're passionate, how we got to where we are. That is what changes things nonviolently. So y'all know that after the second service, we're having this all-community gathering for the audit. And uh, what's really great, how many of you guys had a chance to read it in the e-news? Awesome. That's great. A couple people did. <laughs> um, what you'll see in this audit and the recommendation or in, in the audit is that we found eight ways that there's structural racism at UBC embedded in the practices of our church. Um, and it's not um, blatant, like, we hate people of color. It's, it's, it's like the air that we breathe. We don't even realize that it is that way. And so this audit allowed us to step back and, and look at it with those lenses and see eight ways that those practices um, are embedded in our institution. And then there's lots of uh, recommendations. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit today. Um, the last thing I want to say is that this is hard work. It's generational work. It's lifetime work. It's like a giant iceberg, and our job is to chip away just a little bit of it, right? If we're faithful to the call, to the vision, we're chipping away a little bit of it, and we trust that everybody else is doing that too, okay? So what I'm going to do is introduce our panel. None of these folks are on the, we're on the audit task force, and I did this intentionally because number one, our audit task force people have done a lot of work and they didn't need to do more work. Um, but number two, I want you to see that this is, um, it's, it's not like a handful of people in our community, it is our whole community that cares about this. And so these are just average folks in our community that, that have passion. Um, so where I want to begin is, last week we talked about the power of our testimony being the greatest witness to combat, uh, nonviolently combat white supremacy. So if you could say your name, and what is your witness or testimony? So if you could tell us just a brief story about why it's so important for you um, to have UBC better align with anti-racist values. Don't worry, they got these questions in advance. So that was a big question, but they knew it was coming. Okay. I can start. Uh, my name is Kelly Harrison, and um, I prepared a remark 
Part of my testimony is that racism and white supremacy are my responsibility, and if you are white, also your responsibility. My grandmother once told me a racist joke, knowing that it would trigger me. When I told her I was offended, she responded asking, you know you're not black, right? She set me up to make this point. This betrays the attitude some white people have that racism is not our problem. It is our problem, both as perpetrators and as witnesses, and we are both. Another attitude I've encountered, and this one at UVC, is the attitude that since white folks aren't sure how to proceed, they can't proceed. Mm -hmm. Or because they are afraid they will say the wrong thing, they aren't willing or able to deeply discuss white supremacy. Unfortunately, as long as we let these things paralyze us, we are failing to live up to our calling. We need to be bold, inclusive, and relevant here and now when it comes to white supremacy. We are called to recognize the dignity of all of our siblings equally and to work towards a more just world that also recognizes that dignity fully. And we aren't there yet, and we have to take responsibility for that. And as white folks, we have to be willing to educate ourselves and one another, and this audit is a great tool to help us get started. The really good news is that we can expect Christ to be with us in this holy work of perfecting the church. The blood of the Lamb works with our testimony to bring about new creation, and God's saving power is available for all in equal and ever-flowing measures. Amen. Good morning. My name is Kevin. Thank you. Morning. <laughs> For me, like storytelling is a big thing, and you know, I'm not the best storyteller sometimes because I like, forget what I'm going to say. But growing up, um, so I'm Korean and I immigrated when I was five years old, and I remember my parents, um, grandparents, relatives telling stories about um, their experiences during the Korean War. So, like my aunt told me that her my grandmother, my mom's side, I mean my dad's side and my um, other aunt, when the war started, you know, they were from Seoul and they kind of ran to Pusan, which is like the southernmost tip. And that's not like an easy day's journey, right? Um, so that was that. And then my grandma and my grandpa, my mom's side told me stories about how when North Korea invaded, you know, they ran up to the mountaintop to kind of hide from all the um, troops and gunfire would be like um, shooting right behind them and it sounded like popcorn, right? So hearing stories like that, it, it's like really moving. It's really powerful in how they're able to say it. We all have stories, you know. I never grew up during a, no. We didn't grow up during a war here per se, right? Um, but we all have stories in how um, it may affect our lives, right? So growing up, um, whether you're um, a person of color or white identified, we all have different ways of kind of how we contribute to anti-racism or racism in general. Um, so for me, it's like really important being a part of a church community because I grew up in a Korean American church and I'm like, I really want to find that, um, that community, that comfort, but that's what I was looking for, just a Korean American church. But sometimes, you know, that group in itself, we're not the perfect, you know, model in itself, right? So finding this church, UVC, where it really dives into details about what does anti-racism um, mean and how we're able to kind of educate and train each other and share our stories. Um, whether it be the positive or the negative, whatever it may be, um, really shows cases how what, like what UVC is trying to do um, from you know all this audit stuff. So, yeah. Okay. 
you. Good morning. My name is Megan Marker, and um, I grew up in a really small town in Ohio, and a town that didn't have a lot of diversity in general of thought, of economics, of race. It was just a really kind of sleepy small town, and um, I think that so. So I accepted, or I started following Jesus at. Um, in 1997, and that was before I went to college, and so I felt called to be in service to other people, and so the way that's evolved is by being a social worker, and through like mission trip trips at my church, and so um, I've come to see the ways in which some of those things are problematic through a framework of like white supremacy and things like that. Um, but what I'm most grateful for and what I think really um, is true is that God is always calling us to, uh, to reconcile and to be restored and to be renewed. And so um, I think that that work kind of draws me to be with people in hard spaces and to hear harms that have been done to them by other people and by organizations. And I think when you're in a space like that with folks, inevitably you're gonna hear about race, you're gonna hear about um, identity, and you're gonna hear about ways in which we harm each other. And so I think that the church is supposed to be the place where that's not happening, yet we know that the church has been part of a lot of really ugly things <laughs> throughout time. And so I think that this is an opportunity um, for myself as well as all of us to be part of this like really, truly transformational work of the Holy Spirit. And it's got to be much bigger than us. Um, but it's, I think that that's what feels true for me now and drew me to UBC to be part of a community that knows that we're not perfect and knows that we have work to do and knows that what that means is service to one another in an authentic way that's transformational good morning um darius james um so i, I did get the email and to, and it was kind of hard to think about this um what testimony that aligns to and I guess just to hear you guys talk, the first thing that comes to mind, especially for a person of color in, in a mixed space, I don't want to be the one to have to explain something to you. I am not your teacher. Um, and, and as one of my professors used to say, anything that you want to know is in plain sight. Go look for it. So playing that, oh, I didn't know that takes place. No, stop playing, stop lying to yourself. And I guess for, for me, my, my, I'm a preacher's kid, so, um, and growing up in a traditional black church and then joined the military, and so I've been exposed to different to type of church settings. So um, I've ha I think I have, having that experience of being in multicultural churches and then where you have churches like, oh, all we see is the blood of Christ, and like, and yeah, mm, yeah. And so I say, and I think I said this when I did literature a couple weeks ago, let's not lie to ourselves just because we're a mixed crowd, oh, that we're on our way and so glad, and we have this like euphoric utopia of just, like, no. Let's be honest and be real about what we're dealing with in this space. Um, 
you know, and, and I think as people of color, I think what we, what we do, and, I, and me, me and my husband said, you know, we're going to be here. We're going to stay here. Um, and I feel like some of our, some people of color just get frustrated and just move on because it's hard to explain when you're not trying to listen or you're not trying to learn for yourself. So, and, and, and I feel like I know I don't say much or whatever, but just having a presence that speaks to other people of color, hey, this is a safe place here. So. So uh, last week we talked about the power of our testimony being the greatest weapon to nonviolently combat white supremacy. What, um, I, sorry, that was this question that I just asked. <laughs> Next one, I should have numbered them. So Jesus models courageous vulnerability. How do you see that courageous vulnerability taking shape in our community? And how are we taking risks to be vulnerable with one another, to tell our stories, and to hear one another's stories? So we don't have to answer this in order, but how do you see vulnerability taking shape in our community, people taking risks? Um, I, I think that the fact that we did this audit um, is a huge step of vulnerability. And the fact that we are making, we didn't just do this audit and now we're gonna move on to the next thing. Um, we are grappling with this, we are wrestling with this, we are questioning this. Um, hopefully we're all doing that because it really does take all of us. Uh, but I think that, that's a sign of vulnerability that I see that I'm just really impressed with. I see uh, vulnerability in our testimony each week where I think folks are really talking about what Jesus is doing in their lives, and that's vulnerable because often it reveals our sin and it reveals our brokenness. It reveals like the ways we tried to be God before. Um, and so I see that. And thank you all for your testimonies. <laughs> I think... Um the one thing we were talking about last night, just talking about how sometimes we've been taught to keep secrets. And that very thing that you, you kept secret is maybe the thing that will pull somebody out, out of a pit, pit where they at. Um, so being able to share those things and vulnerabilities, you know, um, you don't know what, what something that you might have said you know, sharing out of vulnerability to help helps help someone else. Um, you know, um, yeah, I I think just being able to talk about things. Um, you know, the one thing that we talk about in this church, and that I, I really appreciate that we talk about mental health. Uh, we talk about um, spiritual abuse because many of us come from backgrounds where we've dealt with mental health and spiritual abuse, and we have not known how to talk about it or address it or put a name to it. And that 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 thing is something that could take someone out. You know, and as much as we, we know, we talk about, I joke about this, you know, um, especially coming from a um, charismatic Pentecostal background. Okay, after we laid hands on you, picked up off the flow, what, a pra what practical thing are you doing to fix yourself? 
You know, you know, prayer without works is dead. You can get get somebody to lay hands to run up and lay hands on you and 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 do this and do that. But if you're not doing something actively, you know, so. I think for me, it's just sharing things that you normally wouldn't share, right? So kind of like the secrets, the things that you may feel uncomfortable. Um, I work with a lot of students, and sometimes they're just afraid to say, this is what's going on in my life, this is what's affecting my academics, my personal well-being, and stuff like that. So it's just being comfortable, one, with who you are, and just saying that I'm broken, you know, I'm not perfect, but being able to share those stories, um, whether it be testimony, because that's not an easy thing to be up here um, and sharing your for the most part, like sometimes deep and darkest secrets or just things that are challenging you. And just being, just saying that I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to learn um, and opening that mind. I think that's something that UVC has done a great job. Um, the churches that I've been to, we don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about um, LGBTQ stuff, um, racism, nothing like that. It's just like everything from the Bible. So um, it's really great that UVC is having that venue where you can kind of be open, be willing, be vulnerable um, to share um, your story. So, so uh, Pastor Christian, who's our founding lead pastor, wrote a the top of our e news. He kind of talked about the difference between where we started in Revelation, which was sort of um, Jesus calling different communities out in a way, and now where we're where we in the Revelation, which is where everything's all beautiful um, and all all is well. Um, and how sometimes we want to just dwell on this, all is well, it's going to be great, and we don't want to deal with the calling out piece. Uh, so when we look at this audit, it can kind of feel negative, like it's all being called out. There's eight ways that we're getting called out for uh, white institutional values. Can you talk a little bit about how in the midst of these recommendations that you've looked at, um, can you name what's joyful about this? Is, is there joy? in this? Or is it drudgery? There's one piece that um, the recommendation makes that I'm really looking forward to, and it's just being um, involved more in the community. Um, we all come to this church for the most part, I'm assuming, I mean, for me personally, I come because I feel a sense of community, a, a sense of family um, in this space, right? But why are we just doing it here? Why are we not doing it for the community that we kind of support? Uh, we all come from different areas, probably in the city, but UVC Edgewater is right here. There's so many different neighborhoods that we can support. What are we doing in the neighborhoods, right? So this is just for me giving an opportunity saying that, hey, um, Argyle, um, Rogers Park, Andersonville, whatever it may be, this is who we are, right? Um, we know that some of the churches that are more established that have actual home, it's easier for them to a degree because they have their space where people could kind of come do events we don't really have that luxury um, or opportunity, but we do it in a different way where we could kind of go out and kind of engage in the community a little bit more through service, um, through outreach in that sense. So I'm looking forward to seeing how we can serve this kind of community here. Um, I think it's really exciting that Jesus is gonna be working with us on this work, Amen. Uh, that we're not gonna be alone in this. Um, it's just really joyful and exciting. Um, the other thing I think is that a lot of the, the ways that we are harmed in this world are communal. Communities harm us. 
And I think that the healing is often communal as well. That's one of the reasons why I'm here every Sunday and, well, almost every Sunday. But why I'm here continually and why I'm a part of this church is that it's healing work for me, um, for the ways that I've been wounded. And I hope that we can be a community where, with Jesus, we are all healing for one another. And I think that's really joyful and exciting. Um, I think to kind of piggyback on both of those things, one of the things I was thinking about in preparation was um, there's a portion of the scripture that's in Revelation that's also in Isaiah, and Isaiah 61 talks about beauty for ashes, and I think that that's our opportunity. We have the opportunity through Christ to trade it trade in our ashes and say this is ugly and burnt and wrong and we did not do this well and so I'm excited about the beauty and it's probably going to get ugly before beautiful which is what God does and so trusting as a community that we're being that that process is happening is is I think joyful um, I was just thinking of a proverb, um, Proverb 12 and 1. Um, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> so as a church, if we're telling you, hey, you, you messing up royally and you don't receive it, that's on you. So I think as, you, as a church, I, I think we love, we love discipline. Not discipline as in legalistic, but being hey, receiving instruction and not too prideful, like, oh, oh, I got my, I got my degrees and this and this, and I got my book and here, you know, no. You know, being able to receive instruction re, um, from anybody, you know, if it, it speaks to your spirit, you know. And I think that that is truly uh, us being open and listening to the spirit of God to receive instruction because, yeah, sometimes we mess up things. And, and, and learning to re get that reprieve, to, hey, let's fix this, let's and move forward, you know. So let's not be stupid, okay? So uh, as I mentioned earlier, and and we've said this <clears throat> before, this this work that we're doing is is generational. These these eight recommendations. It's not like in the next year we're going to be like done, 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 done. Okay, put it on the shelf. What's next? It's it's lifelong generational work. So uh, knowing that, uh, what and if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to. But we're all going to hold you accountable. What? Not really. What do you think is your part to play in it? You specifically. All right, I'm talking too much. Now, um, no. I I say as a person of color is to be present. Because a part of this work is um, white people being vulnerable, but we being here to say, hey, okay, come on. You still need to pull it? Come on. You know? And then also being a place for being here to bring in other people of color to say, hey, you're safe here. You know? And you, you can talk about these things that you're dealing with. You know? Um, so. Uh, I think my role to play is to be humble and to be ready 
for the conversations from Darius <laughs> to be able to say, you know, this is because this is what's true, right? Yeah. And and we need to be open to that truth and also available to know where it's coming from, that it's coming from love and it's coming from correction and, re and being rebuked in the sense of, I don't want to see your demise. I want to see you yeah. better. And so listen to my truth. And so I think that that's my role is to listen and be humbled. So for my role, I'm actually the site strategy chair um, at um, Edgewater site. So that means that I kind of help support kind of like the structure, everything. I guess, everything. That seems too much. Um, but the big thing is for me to kind of reach out with the community coaches, I mean the coach, various coaches, kind of get people more involved in some one way or another, right? Um, hearing um, Ray's and Dominique's story about, you know, giving financially is an important thing, right? Um, one, it says it in the Bible, but hopefully, you know, we are able to give if we can, right? The other thing is serving in the church, right? For me, it's like, it, hey, first and foremost, please come, right? Just get involved in that sense. Just come, be present, whoever you are, and own up to that, and, you know, be there um, just as, as a support. But also, get involved. And we're not saying get involved by doing stuff like this, doing liturgy, you know, like some of the quote-unquote, like, big things. But even volunteering and just saying hello, um, as a greeter, um, if you're a really great cook um, or bake, who's good at baking, by the way? Okay, so all those people that are raising their hands, we need food sometimes, right, um, on Sundays. There's a sign-up sheet out there, actually. There's right a sign-up sheet now, right? So for me, tr I really believe that everyone has a superpower, whatever that may be. So how are you going to be able to utilize your superpower um, in the church setting? Um, I, I don't know every single person, but hopefully that's something that I'll be able to kind of support and having you find that niche to feel a part of the family, so. Um, I think that part of my role is to continue to keep reminding people of the people who are white that this is our responsibility and our problem. I think that's so important and I think that's a lot of where we don't move forward is because a lot of people try to shirk it off as, as not my responsibility, not my problem. Um, and that's, that's really not the right way to walk your faith. Your faith is your responsibility and how we treat other people is a part of our faith and how we work towards justice in this world is a part of our faith. So I think I want to be a prophetic voice that calls people to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. So this last question is super hard and I don't even know what my answer to it would be, but I hope you guys all come up with something brilliant. Um, I recently listened to a podcast that interviewed Ruby Sales, who's the legendary civil rights leader. And in it, she talks about a spiritual crisis in white America. One thing she mentions is that we have a need for a theology for white people that's independent of white supremacy. So what do you think that might look like? Just a small question to end us out. I think... Um in terms of that question, I would advocate for educating ourselves. Um, there, are, there are theologies out there that are not white-focused. There are theologies out there that are very black-focused. If you read, um, there's an author named James Cone who says God is black and goes through the whole explanation of how you know that Jesus is, embodies blackness, embodies being um, tortured, being... 
oppressed. And I think that there's lots of places that we can look for that literature, and I think that's a good place for us all to start. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the thing, is that we have to educate ourselves. We can't just... Um, we can't just assume that because we've started a theology where we don't name God as white, that it's not a white theology. Hmm. One of the recommendations in the audit is working with the North Illinois, Northern Illinois Conference and um, not UVC, the Methodist Church as a whole, right? Um, so from I'm not doing a long story, but like in regards to like Christianity, the church, all that stuff, we know that the church as a whole is not the best, right, when it comes to racism. So that's a recommendation to work with um, what we can, right? So UVC, when we go to conferences, um, being that voice saying, hey, this is not proper. You know, this is, how about think about this way, right? So being that voice, I think, is a way where we kind of work from systematically the overall racist church, right? I mean, that's a big thing to do, trying to say, hey, the Catholic church, hey, the um, Methodist church, you're racist. How can we figure out from there to break down and work with the scripture and say, Jesus is not white. We know he's from the Middle East, African area, right? But he's portrayed always as white, right? So how are we gonna start from the root um, and bring that back up to where it, it is a little bit more inclusive for everyone else. So, I mean, that's a big thing. I don't know if that's something that is going to be a short-term goal, and that's a very long-term goal. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to be that voice in those conversations, at least, where we have that influence. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but... <laughs> I do have a thought. Um, it's, I don't know that it's an answer per se, but I think the Beatitudes are a helpful place to start. That tells us who's going to inherit the kingdom and why. And I think that so much of our, you know, our organizations embody um, these power structures and we kind of do things to remain in power and have influence and things like that. And that's really not what the Beatitudes tell us, and I can't remember exactly which book of the Bible that's in, but I know it's in a gospel, that it tells us who, um, you know, the humble and the meek and things like that. So that's a thought. I think, because um, the question is, uh, the need for theology for white people, the independent of white supremacy. First of all, I think the idea that, um, we could just say in white theology, it's diversity centered around whiteness. If we take that away from that, that I think that's where you can dismantle that whole white theology idea, with particularly in the American church, because it's always been centered around uh, diversity centered around whiteness, um, and 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 that's where that supremacy comes into place. Because oh, we're elevated above everyone else, because we, we're trying to save everyone. And that whole evangelical, traditional evangelical, we got to go out to the world and, and do missions and, and save all these colored people. So take reevaluating how we do, do evangelism. Um, 
outreach in our own communities because it, it's funny like some of the largest denominations most of their most of their uh, churches are in the suburbs so uh, larger evangelical denominations that do do that most of their emphasis missions are in, in the suburbs they don't do anything with their inner cities so um, um, decentering whiteness in, in the diversity context so like to add, I think maybe I'll challenge you to think about this question, um, and then you can answer the question instead of me. Um, <laughs> but I challenge you to think about what's the difference between an inclusive or a diverse church and an anti-racist church? Because they may not be exactly the same thing. We can't make the assumption that if our churches become more diverse that we've become anti-racist. So what's the difference? Um, and I think, again, those are the things that we're looking at with this um, survey. I can't think of the word right now. With the audit, yes. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, okay, so just because you have a black face or brown face smiling in front of you doesn't mean that they're inclusive and diverse. Um, so just to, that's just to add on to that. Um, I'm sorry, I'm taking... <laughs> no. No, but... Um, so to, to allow what's being brought to the table to be received, everyone has a place at the table. Um, and because we all have a place at the table, you know, and, and, and I think the true nature of the church is egalitarian, uh, where we, have, we, we all bring something to that table and, we, and there's something to share. Um, so if we, if we keep that idea in mind, that's how we can dismantle white supremacy in the church, in, in and out, so. Y'all, uh, so talk about vulnerability. Uh, can we hear it for these folks that have sat up here and. Um, let us end with prayer. Yahweh, thank you for the power of testimony that is in these four lives up on stage. Thank you for the power of testimony that is seated in each life in the congregation. Continue to build on what has been started here, God. Help us to... Um, see the big vision of this work and take faithful steps forward. Um, help us to have grace with one another when we take steps backwards. Um, but help us to hold one another accountable so that we might live into the vision you have cast before us in this beautiful book. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>